1 Corinthians chapter 16, we continue our study here, getting close to the end of the book uh, out of 1 Corinthians, this letter, and it's been a tremendous, tremendous study. I, I have, I'm, have been the winner in getting to preach through it because I've been the one that's been able to study through it, and it's been a help to me. I, sometimes the hard thing with preaching is, is, um, is knowing, there's so much here, is knowing what to preach, knowing what to deliver. And if it was up to me, we'd stay a little bit later each and every night. And I'd like to keep Tim Leonard here as long as I can. And, uh, and so if we could keep him longer and let everything that he's got in the crock pot just burn and fry and cook and whatever it needs to do. It always tells me, preacher, I put it in the crock pot. So if I could get his to burn, I'd be happy. That's not necessarily true. I'm just simply saying that there's just so much here. And if you're preaching through it, there, you got you to say, okay, what, do I, what can I add here and what, what can we do and what needs to be left off? And, and sometimes I think after you preach through it one time, you just get the tip of the iceberg and you go back and maybe go through it all again. We won't do that, uh, but, uh, but that's been my heart. It's just been a blessing to work our way through this through these uh, chapters, these verses on each Wednesday night. I'm not sure where we'll go. My inclination is just to go ahead and pick up 2 Corinthians and just pick, keep going and picking up through there and going back through. But we'll see as in a couple weeks as we get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Tonight's message or time together in the Word I've entitled Practical Principles for a Prosperous Ministry. Practical Principles for a Prosperous Ministry. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 through 12. <clears throat> now I will come unto you when I, pass, when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timotheus come and see that, uh, see that he may be with you without fear. For he worketh the work of the Lord as I do also. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth. There's that word conduct. Remember Brother Edwards preaching in our missions conference just in a few weeks ago? Uh, popimpo, I think is the, the pronunciation there. And there's that word conduct, carry forth, help him get to the place that he's going. Conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching other, our brother, excuse me, as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desire him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. So here we find the Apostle Paul. He's finishing up his teaching to this church at Corinth. Out of this first letter. He's dealt with so many issues within the church. We noted that very early on. In the book of Corinthians, it seems as though there was a letter presented to the Apostle Paul from the church. And they were asking some questions about specific things. And Paul has dealt with these as he has gone through. And now he's concluding this. And he's really putting together some, some uh, ending thoughts and encouragement and helpful things to the local church. And, and he's closing the letter with some remarks and instructions. 
to this church at Corinth. Now, in these verses, Paul opens up. You might say that he, he kind of, if he had a day planner, if it, back in the day it was uh, some of the old timers, the, the Franklin day planners. Did anybody have a Franklin? You know, now nobody uses one of those things. Nobody, nothing's paper anymore. You know, now you got those phones and, and uh, all the tablets and all of those things. And so if he opened up his, his Egyptian day planner, I don't know, his Jewish day planner, I don't know what he had, his papyrus day planner. If he opened it up and gave us a little bit of a look into it, a look-see as to what he's doing, what he's thinking, and where he's going. And when he does this, in these verses, he lets the believers at Corinth know what his intentions are regarding the next step for him in ministry. Where he goes from here, where he's at, but not only that, where he's going. Paul was a missionary church planter, and he was continually on the move. Continually going from place to place, city to city, evangelizing, discipling, establishing local churches, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And he would go over here and win somebody to the Lord, start a church, plant a church, and stay there for a period of time and help build that work. And, and that work would be established and he'd go on and do it again. But then he would turn around and write a letter back to the place he had been and he would seek to try to get back to it. And that's what's taking place here. And that's what he's telling them. That's his desire is to come back to where they are. He's a gospel preacher. He's a tent maker. He's a theologian. Um, he wrote... Uh, 13, and if you believe Hebrews, 14 letters of the New Testament, the Pauline epistles, the prison epistles, the pastoral epistles. He was in prison, and he still wrote some of the epistles. Uh, it's amazing to me what the Apostle Paul was able to do. Uh, while in prison, he wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philipp, uh, Philippians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy. Um, he was a missionary to the Gentiles. And so you can see that he was a very, very busy individual. Fully, you might say he was fully addicted to the ministry. Fully addicted to the ministry. Boy, if you're going to be addicted to anything, boy, it'd be good to be addicted to the ministry, to the work of God, to the church, to the things that God's doing. What a, what a better thing uh, to, to have a heart and a desire for. That was the Apostle Paul. And I'm praying that God would give us that same heart and desire. And I know that there are many that have that heart already. But may God just... Pour some gasoline on it and make it hotter and, and give us a greater hunger and thirst to see the work go forward in and around our place and the work that God's got for us here. Paul literally was a man with an unquenchable passion to do the work of the Lord. He mentioned back over here about Timotheus, Timothy. He says, he's doing the work of the Lord as I do also. We're both involved in the work of the Lord. Uh, Paul had told us back in chapter number 15, uh, in verse number 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul knew that the greatest reward in life was found in doing the work of God. And he says, your labor is not in vain. So he's a, he's a worker. He's, a, he's a, a laborer for the cause of Christ. Paul knew what it was to labor in the ministry. If you've been in ministry, no matter what aspect of ministry, you know that it is a labor. 
it takes time. It takes effort. It takes uh, mental uh, deciding and putting some other things aside so that you can concentrate. Uh, uh, it, it takes some discipline on our part to to work in 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 the church and work for the for the Lord. So it is a labor and it is many times hard work. Uh, sometimes I think we look for the greenest pasture to work for the Lord, but maybe there's no such thing exists. Uh, it always looks greener until you get over there. And you find out it wasn't as green as I thought it was. And it may have been easier than the place I was before. Um, But Paul knew what it was to labor in the ministry. He said that the work of God that you do, he said, is not in vain. The work of God that you and I, as a church, that the work of God that we all do, is not in vain. You ever done something? You ever... Put your hand to something and you say, boy, all that was seemed like it was for nothing. Just seemed like it didn't get anywhere. There was nothing, nothing came out of that. When it comes to the work of God, that cannot take place. Anytime we work for God, something's, something's going to come out of it. We may not understand it. We may not see it in our time frame, in our frame of mind. We may not see the, the full outcome of that. But God does and God's working all things together. The work of the, God, work of the Lord does not go in vain. And God is still in everything that happens and everything that we do for Him, it has value to it. Let me just say, whatever you do for God has value to it. You might say, well, you know, I'm just doing this or I'm just doing that or, and I'm maybe not out front leading in this way, but let me just say, whatever you do for God is, is as valuable as anything else that goes on in the church. There's no such thing as, as a work for the Lord within the church context that says this is of less value than something else. That's not true. Don't ever think that. And understand that God uses us all. And he says the work of God is not in vain. It's not useless. It's not empty. But listen, God rewards those that do his work. God rewards those that do his work. Work for the Lord may never pay off monetarily. Uh, it, it may never pay off that way. Uh, I, I, I don't, these charlatans out there, they may say it does for them, but they're charlatans. They're not working for the Lord. Working for God may never pay off. You'll not get rich, in other words, I dare say, uh, working for the Lord. But it will pay off with heavenly gain. Maybe not monetarily gain, but it will pay off with heavenly gain. It'll pay off with satisfaction gain. Work for the Lord. It'll pay off in satisfaction gain. It'll pay off with joy gain. Boy, it's just, it just something about working for God that, that brings joy to the heart that nothing else can. It'll pay off in contentment gain. It'll pay off in godly gain. You cannot put a price tag on heavenly gain that God gives you when you work for Him. You can't put a price tag on that. Whatever you give up earthly to serve the Lord, He'll give back time and time and time again. Whatever you give back, give up earthly. And some people say, well, look what I'd give up. Look what I'd have to walk away from. Oh, no, you're not walking away from anything to serve God. You're walking towards something. You're walking towards heavenly rewards. To serve God. You'll not give up anything. This world can't even compare with what God gives. And again I'm not talking about. 
a material aspect of things. And God may do, choose to do that as well. And praise God when he does. God may choose to do that. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but that's not the reason why we do what we do for the Lord. We do what we do for the Lord because of he, he, what he did for us upon Calvary. And the fact that he saved us. And we'd all be in hell tonight if it wasn't been for Calvary's blood. And, and for the precious blood of Jesus Christ and what he gave us. Listen to, to Matthew chapter number 19 and verse number 29. Matthew 19 and 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. What a promise that is. You know, sometimes God may call us to forsake family. To go away, in other words, not forsake them. And like, we don't want anything to do with you. But, but to have children or to have parents that are on the mission field that you may have not seen for a long period of time. Well, today's world, you can do the Zoom and all that stuff uh, and Facebook and, and connect every single day. But it used to not be that way. Uh, when Brother Godfrey can tell you, when they went to the mission field... Uh, they didn't know if they were even out there for a long time. No one had heard word of them, if they were even alive or what was going on. Brother White and I'd say Brother Harris and some of you others have went out there and went early on in the mission field, Brother Parker. and You, you went when you, just, you didn't have contact. You sent a letter, but it took a while to get a letter from Japan to the United States. Um, and you hope that they got it. You may have got a phone call every now and then. So the connections were not as close as they were today. But I'm simply saying that, you know, you do give up some things. And Brother Dwyer, I think of him, and they, they, they're giving up some things. Now here they're, they're coming home, and they're going to, our kids grow up, and they grow up on the mission field. Man, what a great place to grow up, to grow up on the mission field. Man, what an exciting thing that is. But the kids do grow up, and so they're coming home, and they're going to take Abby, and, and she's going to stay here and begin college and begin training, and they're going to go back to Africa. And that's hard on a mama sometimes, hard on a daddy. And, and, you know, that's what he's talking about. But, you know, God rewards that because we're, it's a sacrifice we're giving to the Lord. And that's a labor that God gives back. And, and you know, I can't tell you how he gives it back. Only God's able to do that. But boy, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, let me add this also. God's work has to be done God's way. God's work has to be done God's way. What many times I believe passes off for God's work is a little more than work. You ever just, just work? You know, you can do work and just be busy, busy, busy in the church. And it's work and it's busyness, but it's really not the Lord's work. Because we do it in the flesh sometimes. Just do it in the flesh. We do it out of a, a sense of, of, uh, of, well, you know, this is what I just have to do. Or out of, begrudgingly we do it. Or, and that's not the Lord's work. And we can be busy. Business does not mean uh, it's God's work. If it's half-hearted, if, it's, if we can be busy, activity, done in the flesh, those kinds of things is done in vain. God didn't promise to reward that. If we're doing it in the flesh, 
uh, it, that kind of work for the Lord, I believe, is in vain. It's only the kind of work done for the glory of God and through the leading and the, the filling of the Holy Spirit that brings forth fruit. That's not in vain. When we do it and the Spirit of God is leading us and the Spirit of God is enabling us and we're doing it not to be seen, we're doing it not to make a name for me or for you, for anyone else, but you know who I want to, we want to do it for? We want Him to get the glory. Then God rewards that. That's when things begin to happen. That's when God begins to bless. That's when the reward comes, but that's when the prospering of the ministry comes forth in the hands of God, because God's blessing it. It's when we put Him first. Let's make sure that Lakewood Baptist Church, everything we do, we do it, we seek to do it, we plan to do it for the glory of God. Let's not put our names on it, let's put God's name on it. And let's ask Him to bless, not because that people may see anything of Lakewood Baptist Church, but they may see everything of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's do it for Him. And I believe God blesses that. Uh, there's a lot of activity uh, going on and, and a little bit of much of that is not of the Lord's work. But let's, not make, sure, let's make sure that's not the case here at Lakewood. God's work done, does, done God's way prospers and it bears fruit. Uh, you know, when you build a building, pray for us tonight. Pray, pray that the Lord would give me some wisdom. I, we were, uh, I don't know if he's watching the service tonight, but if he is, I'd like to... Like a fellow's needing to get some blueprints back to us. Pray that the Lord would work on this fellow's heart and we'd get some blueprints back. Uh, and I guess that's why my illustration here is. Um, I'd like to get this, these restrooms up here built. I'd like to get this thing done up here and just completed. But I need to get, we need to get a set of blueprints back to do it. When you do a building, when you go out to sit out to do a building, you have a set of blueprints, you have some plans, and then you have codes that you have to go by. And when you build this out here, you know what? We're going to have to have stamps from a, from a plumbing inspector. We're going to have to have stamp from a building inspe- inspector. And so not only does it have to be stamped when they see the plans, but they have to come back and inspect the work. They, and we will not get an occupancy permit until that work is done correctly. It's done by code. You know, it's the same way many times. It's the same way kindly plays the same way with God's work. God's got a set of plans. He's got a code. He says, this is the way it has to be done. And when we do it according to his plans, his code, and where do we find it? It's right here. It's right here. It's called a New Testament church. I'm thrilled to be, a, be considered, and I believe, I believe, I consider Lakewood Baptist Church to be an independent, fundamental New Testament Baptist church. As close to the New Testament model as we can discern from the Word of God. Um, now, if we were really New Testament, we would all be on maybe in dirt floors, no air conditioning tonight, and get rid of the pews. So when we were all like that, you'd be if you fell asleep, you'd just fall out in the in the dust floor. I, I don't know. Maybe that's out where. Maybe that's really New Testament. But I'm glad that we have do do have some conveniences. Amen. Uh, I'm glad we do have some of those things. But I'm thankful, and I believe the New Testament church is, is the right way to go. I believe that's what God's plan is. But, but God has a set of instructions, and He's asking us to, to follow those instructions. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself 
approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I understand that's dealing with specifically with preaching the word of God. But we want to be workmen that's doing things God's way and having God's blessings and God's hand upon us. And, and, and I think that is the goal. And we do that. We ultimately glorify God. It's not only how we build, but it includes the materials in which we build with. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 13. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation... Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So not only are we told how to build. But we're given the materials to build with. We've been given a message. We've been given the word of God. And so we're to build according to the Bible. Uh, we're not given license to go outside of this. And I, I fear that so many churches today, um, that's what they're seeking to do. They're going outside of the Bible. And we want to make sure that we stay in the Bible. Where the Bible gives us license, that's where we'll stay. Where we don't have license outside of that, we'll not go there. And I think many falter in that point right there. And the, these verses that we read before, that we read just a moment ago out of 1 Corinthians 16 where Paul uh, he begins to give us some ideas about ministry. I think we find several principles to apply in doing the work of the Lord. In the verses we read out of 1 Corinthians 16, in looking at Paul's life, maybe we can draw some principles in doing the work of the Lord. And I believe as we lay some principles forth, that God will bless it when we do it. First of all, I want you to see out of verse number 5, 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 5, now I will come unto you when I pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. Point number one, principle number one. There must be a plan to do God's work. There must be a plan to do God's work. Paul here is giving them a plan that he has set forth, and he's wanting to come see them. He is in Ephesus, and he's looking to get back to this church at Corinth. He's looking to come to see them. And now when I come unto you, when I pass through Macedonia. Paul had set forth a plan to do the work. In other words, I believe Paul had a vision for the work. He had a vision for the work. Paul had spent a year and a half plant, church planting this church at Corinth. He did that on his second missionary journey and and and. The, the Jews, while he was there in the book of Acts chapter number 18, you can read that. Uh, the Jews showed up and they stirred up trouble. And Paul left there and he sailed to Ephesus. There as he church planted in Corinth, he left there and he went on to Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, he wrote back to first, this first Corinthian letter. He wrote back to the church at Corinth, this letter, and he sent it back. And here in verse number 5, Paul says, I plan to come back to you once again. That's what he's saying here. I plan to come back to you once again. Paul was a planner. He laid plans to do the work 
of God. And to do the work for the church. To equip and to build the church. Even while he was busy at Ephesus, he was still planning his next steps forward. Uh, Let me just say this. I think that there must be a plan to do God's work. There must be a plan to do God's work. And I fear that sometimes maybe we just sit, sit down and sit still with no plan to move out from here. We all must have a plan to do God's work. And I think that's a church plan. I think that's a family plan. I think that's an individual plan. I'm going to do something for God. I'm planning to do something for God. Uh, I run across people all the time. It seems like they never have any inkling, never have any idea, any plan whatsoever to do anything for God. And let me just say this. Coming to church is faithfulness in every born-again believer ought to come to church. But if that's all we do, if that's all we do, then we're not planning to work for God. We ought to come to church with a plan to do something for the Lord. Do you have a plan to do something for God? What is that plan? Have we thought about that? Have we given any thought of where we go from here? What's the next step? What is it that we would like to do for the Lord? Young people who have no plans. Boy, I see this so often. Have no plans whatsoever to do anything for God. Do anything to carry the the gospel to their generation. Just aloof to this. Older people who say, I'm done with my plans. My plans, I I did that a long time ago. I don't have any plans going forward. But just to retire and rest and just live out the rest of my life. Plans to do something moving forward. We plan nearly everything in life, don't we? We plan our careers. We plan our vacations. We plan a new house purchase. We plan schedules. We plan special days. We plan everything. Shouldn't we plan working for the Lord as well? You know, and I think, I, I say to our young people, and, and I believe this with all my heart, every young person, when they get out of high school, there ought to be a plan as they look to the future They'll be, they'll be planning to at least one year of Bible college. At least one year of Bible college. Why? Because they'll need that. They'll need that. And as they get into that thing, you know, God can work in their hearts. And who knows where God will take that. But a plan to serve God. And we need that. Uh, many won't do anything, it seems, in, unless they're asked. Sometimes if they're begged or prodded. Uh, They don't have any plans to serve the Lord. Uh, Let me just say this. I add this here. Fathers ought to make plans for the family to participate in ministry. Fathers ought to make plans for the family to participate in ministry. Now I'm talking about local church ministry here. And have have an avenue which this is what our family is going to participate in. This is how we're going to do it. Have a vision for what you and your family can do to serve God within the body of Christ. Have a plan. Ask God to give you that plan. Ask God to to open that up for you. Have a vision for that. Find an area of need. And that may mean, men, we come, sometimes we come into a place like this and we come to church and 
we just sit down and it's been a long day and, and we contend, and I is one of these, we contend just to check out. Not see any needs, not see anything, we just check out. But men, we ought to come with a plan and looking for areas of need and plan to help meet that need. Plan to help meet that need. And lead your children to help meet that need. You know, maybe it's raining one day. Maybe it's pouring rain and, and some of these sweet little ladies are coming in on Sunday morning and I see Miss Barbara and I've got to be careful. Sweet, I did say sweet. I didn't say old, did I? I said sweet little ladies. They come in and, and it's pouring rain and you know, you got the kids and you say, boy, this would be a good time to get umbrellas and go out there and get some of these ladies. Who would have thunk of such a thing? I'm simply saying that we look for needs and get involved in it. Find a place and plug in. That's what I'm saying here. Plan to do the work of the ministry. And let me say there's always needs. Always needs. We just got to be aware of them. Look for needs and seek to plug in a hole. Seek to plug in a hole and help fill that need. So there must be a plan to do God's work. Now, planning means being strategic about it. It means thinking it through. Planning means preparing to meet the need. You got to prepare to meet the need. Planning means praying. God, what do you want me to do? And all this is part of that process. How many Christians are strategically thinking through and working through a plan to do something with their lives for God? We do a lot of planning and thinking and working and strategically putting the pieces of the puzzle together for us. And it will make our lives maybe simpler or whatever the case may be. But are we thinking this way when it comes to working for the Lord? Serving the Lord in this way. So we ought to be strategically thinking and actively participating. Have a vision to do something for God. Let me encourage you, uh, all of us, let's pray that God would give us a vision to do something for Him. But we have a plan in my life. Why have I given this life? Why have I been saved? Is it simply, which is a great thing, is it just to get me out of hell? Praise God for that. Yes, but it's far much more than that. It's to now go on and serve Him. To live for him. So Paul, he says, I believe we look at this. We have a plan to do God's work. He had a vision. But number two, verses six and seven. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. Number one, plan to do God's work. Have a vision to do something for God. Number two, be willing to have your plans changed. Flexibility. Be willing to have your plans changed. Flexibility. Notice what he says. If the Lord permits, this is what I'm going to do. This is why my plans are. I'm going to plan on doing this for the Lord. If the Lord permits. Understand that God, he, he trumps it all. He, he, he's the one that we work, we serve Him. He has the right to change any plan that we set forth. Flexibility. While we should plan ahead, we need to be willing to allow God to change our plans as He sees best. 
Remember, I'm working for him. It's his work, not mine. Paul says in verse number 6, whithersoever I go. He says in verse 7, I trusted uh, to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. You know, sometimes we can get so locked down on our plans, how it's supposed to look, how it's supposed to work, and all of the details that we've worked out to the point where we can't let God work things out for us. Be flexible. Be flexible. Let God, if the Lord permits, it's, it's the leading of the Spirit. I'm working for God, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do something for Him, and this is my plan, but be willing to allow God to change your plans. Now, that's simply what I'm saying. And you know what? God has a way of doing that. I never thought that I would be here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Never thought many of you, the mission fields or the places where you are, or the Sunday school classes that you teach. Never thought that I could teach that age group or be a part of that ministry. God has plans. We must be careful that we don't become so demanding on our way, on our plans, that God can't use us because we are not willing to allow our plans to change so that He can use us. We can become so stubborn that we stop. It has to look like this. And God can't be in it unless it looks like this. This is my plan. We can become so stubborn that we stop. Lay plans and have and prepare in those plans, but allow God to direct your paths. David Livingston, he wanted with all, everything within him, he wanted to go to China. That was his heart. He wanted to go to China, but where did God send him? Africa. And even while he was in Africa, he still had a heart to get to China. I don't think he ever made it. But you know what? He went to Africa and God used it. Miraculously. Plan to do God's work. Have a vision. Be willing to have your plans change. That's flexibility. If the Lord permits. Number three, quickly. Purpose. Verses 8 and 9. Let's read the verses. And I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me. Number three, purpose to work faithfully where you are now. Purpose to work faithfully where you are now. The word effectual literally means active. An active, effectual, an open door is here. And God's got me in Ephesus. And I would like to come and see you. But God won't let me do it right now because he's got me here. And I'm going to finish the work that God has for me here. Be faithful where God has planted you now. And I believe that when we are faithful where God's planted us now, then the other doors begin to open up. I remember... Uh, Dr. Faulkner sitting in preacher's boy class at Temple, and he would come in there and he'd say, Boys, clean the room you're, up, you're in first. Clean the room up that you are currently in before you look for a door to walk through. In other words, do everything that needs to be done where you are before you start looking for the next door that's open. Be faithful where you are. Purpose to work faithfully where you are now. Be everything you can be for God in the place that He has you now. You understand this is preparation time. The best preparation is where God's got you right now. Paul could have come then. 
Paul could have left Ephesus and come to Corinth, but he didn't. He couldn't because a great and effectual door is open unto me. God had him there and he had some work for him to do. A great and effectual door, he said, is open. There, are, there were all sorts of problems at Corinth. And certainly, you can imagine, Paul wanted to go. Instead, he wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, because God still had work for him to finish back at Ephesus. God will use you where you are now to prepare you for where he wants you to be later. This is preparation ground. He'll use you where you are now to prepare you for where he wants you to be later. Be content. Be faithful now. I learn with whatever state I am, Paul said, to be content. Take full advantage of God's training. Be preparing that he is preparing for you in the place where you are now. And that training is going to open up the door for the next opportunity, the next ministry. And by the way, be prepared as well that God may just have you stay right here for the rest of your life and serve God faithfully in a local church. And praise God for that. Man, praise God for that. Take full advantage of God's training in the place that he has you now. Luke 16, verse number 10. Luke 16 and verse number 10 goes back to something I said earlier. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. Sometimes I think we can get so caught up in the much that we fail to be faithful in the least. Take full advantage. God will not open doors of opportunity for us later if we're not willing to step through the doors that he has for us open right now. That's simply what I'm saying. God will use you that way. Give God your best now. Plan to work. Have a vision. Be willing to, uh, for your plans to change. Be flexible as the Spirit leads. Purpose to be faithful now. And then lastly, and I'll just mention it out of verse number 9. Prepare for opposition to come. Prepare for opposition to come. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Adversaries. You know what? When you start serving the Lord, there are going to be all sorts of adversaries that will come your way. Sometimes it's the easiest thing to do is just coast. Because we are where the adversary wants us to be. You don't have to mess with us because we're kind of just doing nothing. But when we start stepping out, serving the Lord, living for God, and saying, you know, I'm going to put some principles in place in my life. I'm going to do something in the Lord. Be ready because opposition will come. And these adversaries, they, they can look like all sorts of things. It's not just a... Uh, the devil that's the adversary, and certainly he is. But it, the adversaries can come from family. Can come from all different avenues. Can come from work. Can come from friends. Every angle of life, from everybody. Many adversaries. Don't let the opposition. Don't let the adversaries stop you. Don't let them stop you. Don't give up when it gets hard, but give more. Don't give up when it gets hard, but give more. 2 Corinthians, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. 
2 Corinthians 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sense of death in ourselves. We thought we were going to die. That we should not trust in ourselves. When we got to this point, we knew there was nothing within us that would help us. We knew that the only place to go was to go to God. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver. What was the death that we were delivered from? The, the sting of death, the sin, hell. God not only delivered us there, but he's going to deliver us here and doth deliver. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. What powerful verses. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4 verses 8 and following. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Christ, of Jesus, might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. When it gets hard, don't quit. When it gets hard, give more to the Lord. Run to Him even more. Cling to Him in everything. There were enough problems in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul that I think he could have just said, it's too hard, let's just quit. This is too much. I think I'll just stop here. There were enough of these kinds of things, but you know what? He never did. Paul never did quit. An amazing thing, and I'm thankful for that. He never did quit. Listen to Peter, what he says about this. Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and following. In these verses, I'm done. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast, how? In the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the key. Prepare for opposition to come, but greater is he than us than he is in the world. Some principles for doing the work of the ministry. And I believe when we begin to put some of these things in place in our lives, God begins to bless. And oh, what a joy it would be to see a whole host of saints here at this church stepping out by faith, planning to do something for God, allowing God to lead us and guide us. 
with his power and his strength and blessings upon us. But understand opposition will come. But we serve a risen Savior. He's in our lives. He's in the world today. And he's coming to get us. Praise God for his victory. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.